0: Welcome to the Pelvic Pulse Podcast, where formally off-the-table topics take center stage so you can feel comfortable, confident, and free in your body. This podcast was born out of the desire to share the intimate and necessary conversations about one of the most ignored, abused, and suppressed areas of our bodies, our pelvises. Not sure where that is? Let's put a finger on it, shall we? I'm your host, Brittany Ellers, holistic pelvic physical therapist, womb worker, and educational speaker and advocate for all things pelvic health. My hope for this show is that it enlivens listeners like you to take steps towards healing your own relationship with your pelvic space holistically for fuller embodiment and a more loving human experience. So when you're ready, let's take a deep breath and dive right in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pelvic Pulse podcast. I'm Brittany, and I am sitting here with Dr. Allison McLean, who is a wellness entrepreneur business coach. So for the last couple of decades, she's helped hundreds of students overcome injury, pain, and achieve their health goals. And she has a profitable and successful physical therapy and wellness clinic, and she also leads classes, workshops, and yoga trainings. Um, She was diagnosed with Lynch syndrome, which is a genetic mutation that put her at high risk for several different types of cancer. And only a couple of months later, following her first cancer screen, was she diagnosed with rectal cancer. And this caused her to reevaluate not only the sustainability of her own business, but the whole wellness industry, which is like whoa. Um, she now has a passion to help other wellness entrepreneurs grow in their businesses sustainably with profit while caring for their own health and enjoying life in the process. And Allison and I have known each other for quite a few years now because of Yoga Six. That was where we met. Mm-hmm. She was one of the other two therapists besides myself um, and Dr. Carla Pryor, who was also a physical therapist. And I really admired her work and how she. Uh, utilized her knowledge in her yoga classes. And since then, we've been friends and going out on little business mastermind walks every once in a while and have just followed each other's journeys. And I'm just so happy that you're here. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. Why don't you share a little bit about your journey? I guess right off the bat, I'm like, how did you go from you know, teaching yoga and having your physical therapy business. And then all of a sudden you have this genetic mutation, uh, knowledge. How did you, yeah.
1: You know, truthfully, it wasn't that big of a surprise that genetic diagnosis only because of our family history. So my dad, his sister, his mom, um, they all had numerous cancers. So it was always just kind of in the back of their our minds. Um, I have a brother and a sister. So when we were growing up to, and my dad would reinforce, this, this is why I have a passion about health and wellness. It's all I've ever wanted to learn about and teach um, to take care of ourselves and, you know, try not to be rigid and enjoy life. And so that just kind of came my became my career and passion and So when I was diagnosed, it wasn't that much of a surprise other than the cancer diagnosis was. Mm. (laughs) And I shamed myself because here I am teaching wellness. And I'm like, gosh, darn it. I'm not well myself. I'm a fraud. (laughs) (laughs) Imposter syndrome. (gasps) A hundred percent. So, you know, it was a period of my life where I was really evaluating everything. I'm like, how did I get here with my own health? What, what am I doing in my, in my business? And it really caused me to reflect on how I was showing up as a human in the world and what I could improve upon in my own life. And from that, I began realizing like, oh my gosh, like yoga teachers, we're nuts. We teach, you know, 6.30 a.m. classes, 7.30 p.m. classes, workshops on the weekends, teacher trainings on the weekends. And it's just it's normal squeezing in patients in between. I remember like I taught a seven, a, seven AM class would uh, do two patient sessions or three and then run out to teach a noon yoga class, come back two or three patients again. And then wow. I taught an evening class. That was my Tuesday. And I thought it was normal. You know, that's what you had to do to run a business. That's what yoga teachers do is drive all around teaching crazy classes but then I realized like, it, I don't want to live my life that way only because I came home from leading a teacher training one weekend and my daughter was, she's like, mommy, I missed you. And she was three or four at the time. And I'm like, you know what? With that diagnosis, this is my life. This is, I'm using it as my wake up call and I'm going to change my life. And uh, during that time, I also started getting requests from some of my patients and yoga students like, hey, I see your business. I don't want to work in a mill. I want to do my own thing. Um, how, can you help me start a business? And so then it became this kind of pivot in my life where I, I started taking on business coaching people. And and then that just grew. And that's that's primarily what I do now. I, I still have some patients that I just love working with and they keep re-upping and re-upping and re-upping and they're a joy. But primarily I I do business coaching now. Yeah,
0: that's incredible. And I feel like not a lot of people will take a cancer diagnosis and run with it like that. Some some do. And some, some
1: do.
0: Yeah, and I'm grateful that you did choose that route because I think you're an incredible healer and you you have mm. big vision and you can see a lot for other people and you can hold that for people. Um and I think yeah, you've been a brilliant example of that and I'm wondering if we can go back to those realizations that you made about how you were showing up mm-hmm. but I feel like I mean yeah you can you're you were a yoga teacher you were a physical therapist and then you mentioned you're a mom mm-hmm. and you're, you're a partner and mm-hmm. it's like all of those pieces how do you juggle all of that and were those realizations like something had to
1: give right yeah totally it was messy um I am fortunate to um, attract practitioners and healers, um, for my own health. So, you know, I had my team of people that I had a coach, I had a naturopath, I had a spiritual healer. Um, and I just kept showing up and doing the work and it was money and it was time. And it was really scary in my business because my husband was mad. You know, he's like, look at you, you're sick and you're, you don't have a day off. What are you doing to yourself? And, um, And there was a lot of shame around that, too, because I I don't know, I knew like I was tired, but I didn't know what else to do. And that's how I got. um, I, I mean, I taught workshops for and teacher trainings for over a decade, and that's primarily how I built my business. And so to let all weekends and classes go was really scary. But I did. I burned it to the ground and rebuilt it. And here I am. You know, I did fail a few times, but I just kept going forward and figured it out eventually. Mm I think that's the thing, you know. Actually, I just had a call today, and the coach I was coaching was like, Oh, it doesn't arrive on your doorstep in a pretty little box wrapped in a bow, you know? And she's like, Thank you so much. Like, I just thought that's how it was. And, She's like, I'm realizing like she is doing it. You just take one step at a time and you learn and you evaluate and be like, oh, well, that did not work out as I had hoped. Well, it sounds like
0: I mean, business, I've said this before on another episode, but a business journey entrepreneurship, it is a spiritual journey and everything you're saying, I'm like, you could take that and plug that into someone talking about their own healing journey, whether 100%. that's physical or whether that's mm-hmm. spiritual, it's all one and the same, right?
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I mean, it really was, I had to to carve out the time to heal. So I just did this reel um, where I'm doing a handstand, which is fun, but Uh, you know what got me to the point where I I was like having another day I am able to slow down enough where I can pause and reflect on things so I was pausing that day and I was like and I had gone to yoga class maybe the night before and I was like feeling my core and I was like ah it's feeling stronger I'm feeling stronger today Mm. and I was like so I did a quick wheel about it because I've had three abdominal surgeries and and I think it hasn't been you know, um, a straight line to healing. But now after all of that, I feel stronger. My energy's better, but I had to slow down to not necessarily speed up. I didn't want to speed up, but I guess slow down to heal.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What did that, what did that look like? What three abdominal surgeries did you have? How was the recovery in those non-linear ways?
1: Yeah. So I had a cesarean for uh, my to have my baby girl and that one actually was pretty typical I think I came back which surprised me I never after that one I never thought I'd be doing a wheel pose again um, Mm -hmm. or you know the yoga bridge pose a lot of tenderness or I just thought because of this the the scar how it was like my I went into surgery where I literally said goodbye to deep backbends. I remember that. I'm like, I'm saying goodbye to my backbends so I can have my baby girl healthy. And, and I was okay with that. And so I think that's how the healing evolved was because I wasn't gripping so tightly to trying to get back to something or get back to my old way of being or my old practice. I, I, completely surrendered and i did grieve and i said goodbye um and i think that non you know as they say in the yoga world that non-attachment really allowed me though to receive the healing and go at my own pace with no pressure and just allow it to evolve organically and naturally and then to my surprise like i I was able to do it and i was like oh actually i can do it yeah (laughs) You didn't go to to physical therapy at all after your cesarean, did you? I think I did. Oh, good. Yeah, I did. I don't remember who or where. But I did. <laughs> I tried to do I the only one I didn't so the second was my my rectal cancer surgery, which was minimally invasive, so it it was there wasn't as uh, there wasn't a scar like before. Uh but my colon and the healing was quicker than before, but my colon (laughs) and, uh, was definitely, I, I, it's the same precautions. I had to ease off lifting and stuff for a number of weeks and then gradually allow my body to heal and return. And then, uh, and then I had a hysterectomy. And so the only, and I did PT after hy- hysterectomy too. So the only one I didn't do physical therapy was for the colon surgery. Interesting. How is the the PT for the hysterectomy and how how does that all feel in your body right now? Uh the PT for the hysterectomy was very eye-opening because we did a lot of internal work mm-hmm. and really I think we worked on work that was prior before my surgery. Like I didn't realize how much internal and glute quench clenching I had going on. And so now it's a life lesson that I've carried with me. Um, so in Shavasana, I use every time just doing, I do a scan, a body scan and check in notice where I might be clutch clenching and and gripping. And again, like reflecting like, why, what, what, what am I afraid of? Or what am I holding on so tightly? And, and then instead learning how to trust myself to surrender and let go and know that, you know, I have the strength to keep going regardless. I don't have to hold tight. So, so, so much to a specific plan or goal. Mm. And you were feeling that in certain body parts. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was um, painful intercourse and sex and intimacy Mm because everything was so tight. And then along with the scar tissue. And I mean, I just had a colonoscopy on Friday. And long story short, I was awake the whole gosh darn time, (laughs) which was no fun at all. No. (gasps) And the only reason is because, you know, this is probably I've had since I've been diagnosed with Lynch syndrome in 2017, I, I get one to two colonoscopies a year. And then the year I was going through um, healing from rectal cancer and everything. I think I even had more that year. So I've had over 10 colonoscopies and, and then these three surgeries and, you know, most colonoscopies, they find some type of polyp. Um, and so that's Lynch syndrome is a genetic mutation and it's a, it's a, it's a DNA replication error to, to my knowledge, meaning that our cells replicate with errors, which puts us at higher risk for cancer. So for Lynch syndrome, we have more polyps than, than the average. So when I I had a colonoscopy six months prior and I had a a polyp that was over a centimeter that grew within a year. So it's pretty big in one year and they removed it. And there's been several, and that was precancerous. They had, So I've had several situations like that. So because of all these surgeries and all this stuff, um, I do have a lot of scar tissue in there. And so when the doctor, who was very good, uh, was trying to move the scope around, like he couldn't get through and that, so it was painful and it woke me up. So, you know, I think with all of this is some of it's in my control, some of it's not in my control, but it's learning how to accept my body where it is and, you know, I'm so grateful for being able to have access to these tests that I get to go to these tests that, you know, they've saved my life numerous times now. Um and in the future we're going to use anesthesia. <laughs> So I don't wake up because yeah. it's kind of traumatic. Yeah. Um <laughs> and I and feel like procedures like that, they don't
0: need to be felt as uh traumatic at all. Like maybe I don't know, even invasive sounds like uh negative there's a negative connotation to it, right? Like or minimally invasive or invasive mm-hmm. and
1: well, I think that's the thing is like Western medicine is kind of detached as to what happens. So for me, what was yeah traumatic about both of those was actually both of those scenarios. The practitioners were not the doctor that performed my colonoscopy, but the surgeon at the time who did my rectal cancer surgery. Um, I don't know how to describe it was not very sensitive to healing was like just I, he was kind of a douche was the only way to describe it. You're like, hmm, what's the word douche? <laughs> Accurate. Okay. Yeah. But my colonoscopy doctor, um, he's amazing and he's a very compassionate man. But when I came out of the procedure, because I was awake, he, as they were wheeling me back to the recovery room, Um, He was talking to me because I was awake. He was telling me what he found. He said, you know, we're going to send things off to the lab next time. I highly recommend anesthesia. And so he's talking to me. So then when I enter the recovery room, one of the nurses like, is she, she's awake? What she, you know, cause usually you're fast asleep when they put you in the cover. And he was like, yeah, she was awake the whole time. And some nurse, I don't remember the face. um, I believe it was a male was like, oh, you're one of those. And I was like, What does that mean? But, you know, I'm a highly sensitive person, quote unquote. I felt gaslit at the time. It's like, I didn't want to be awake. I didn't choose this. Like I'm drugged. And now you're going to tell me, oh, you're one of those. Like it's stuff like that that happens in Western medicine that I think disrupts healing for people because now on top of whatever journey they're going through, now they're getting shamed or feel shame in some way. Uh, not to say all Western medicine is like that. And for sure, there's some amazing Western medicine practitioners. I love my, I love my GP. I love my, um, my Lynch specialist. I love my oncologist, like amazing people, but I've had to seek those out. And so if you feel frustrated in your healing, seek out your people, just keep seeking out people, ask for referrals. Um, and you'll find people that are caring and every so often, even though you do surround yourself with a team that is supportive to what you're going through, you know, some provider like that guy that was like, oh, you're one of those will pop in the world. But then the recovery nurse swooped in and was like, oh, sweetheart, you just close your eyes and just relax now. you were going to recover. And um so you just got to keep keep on going. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I. I agree. I think you need to find your, your people that help um, bring the healing journey along for you instead of making you feel like, (gasps) like you're being (laughs) gaslit. That That was so strange. That's really strange. Like, why would you even say that? But I was thinking while you were talking, two questions kind of came up for me and I was wondering with like the polyps Mm -hmm. and just with all the past colonoscopies, like how they may have impacted, um, your bowel movements, your ability uh, to urinate, like all of these, you know, everyday normal things. And uh, so I'll let you answer that. And then I'll ask the second question.
1: Um, you know, the, the polylectomies, I I really don't feel too much after a colonoscopy. I might be a little sore. My back, my low back actually might even be, um, a little sore than ne- the next couple of days, but, Other than that, I feel clean as a whistle. (laughs) (laughs) So things are actually moving quite well. The one benefit about having so many colonoscopies is, is I do get this kind of fasting and flush process every six months or one year. And I do feel my skin's great afterwards. And I do feel like it's a reset for my, even though the prep is harsh, um, I found a system that works for me now. And the last few colon- colonoscopies I've gone in, they said, excellent prep in the notes. So um, hey, you're doing your job. Yeah. So, and and afterwards I do feel like it's it was a a reset for, for my bowels and things are moving quite well. What really did disturb my bowel movements is two things. um, The hysterectomy did tell me more. And um, I think it's the scar tissue Mm. first, you know, it was the anesthesia because I'm really sensitive to any of that. Um, So for like a week after it was, but I think it was the scar tissue. So Uh, I guess I I kind of had to retrain all that. And and again, there was that clenching through there. So learning how to let go and release. Um, And then just starting to learn more my bowel rhythms of what, how much fiber I need to eat during the day. So at the time, prior to my hysterectomy, which was for lynch too, because with lynch syndrome you're a higher risk for uterine cancer, which they have good detection tests for. It's pretty accurate to catch early, but um also ovarian where there are not good um early cancer screens. So as a mom I decided that to get the hysterectomy, but um yeah so I don't remember what I was saying. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's
0: okay. I was wondering, I mean, you you bring up the fact that you you made that decision to remove the hysterectomy because of the Lynch syndrome. Yeah. And I wonder how that that decision felt for you. Because I feel like that can feel like our we're tied to our menstrual cycle
1: sometimes. Like I think a lot of people end up grieving menopause or maybe going into early menopause. Yeah. So no, I went so, into It's called medically induced menopause. So the second I woke up from surgery, I experienced a hot flash.
0: Taking a quick break from our conversation to share with you one of my all time favorite tools, crystal wands and yoni eggs from wands with two A's. If you're wanting to connect to your body, your pleasure, unravel and process your life, these beautifully shaped wands and eggs are going to help you get there. I think of them as an extension of my own hand brought from the earth for my healing rituals that have helped me invite so much goodness into my life. To get yours, head over to the link in the show notes and use the code BETTER in all caps for 15% off your purchase. And if you're like, okay, I'm in, or you already have tools like these and don't know what to do with them... Head over to my Wands and Yoni Eggs 101 courses for a full rundown and guided practice to get you started on developing these special rituals for yourself.
1: And now back to the episode. Um, so I went into Men and pause at 42. And yeah, I'm still working through that. I mean, I've accepted where I am, but I'm still adjusting to it in a number of ways. Um where oh this is what I was gonna say is prior to my hysterectomy I my colon I couldn't tolerate I'm very hypermobile my tissue is very expansive um, very flexible so I couldn't tolerate too many salads like in one week it was just too rough on my my colon and it would lead to the opposite of constipation and so mm-hmm. I at prior the fiber intake that I would eat prior to my hysterectomy is now different than the prior the the fiber intake that I eat now following my hysterectomy to keep things moving I now I pretty much have to have a salad um or a lot more vegetables to keep things moving mm-hmm. um but yeah menopause has been a trip <laughs> <laughs> I miss ovulation. I really do. I'd be like, what? <laughs> totally <laughs> that feeling. Um, I do miss that. Um, there is a lot of changes with that. And, but you know, I'm grateful to be here. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I go there. I'm like, should I have gotten this surgery? But then I'm always, then I'm always like, yeah, I'm glad I did because I'm here it's one, it's a lot less organs that they have to scan per year. Um, yeah. so
0: I see it. I mean, you mentioned when we were not recording, um, yeah. how do you say it? BRCC, BRCA.
1: Oh, Br- the BRCA. Thank you. Yeah. The BRCA gene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. that's. Where They do preventative hysterectomies and mastectomies for that. Gene. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's just kind of what I was, thinking about again, relating mm-hmm. it to, it feels like it can, it can be an empowered choice, you know? Yeah. I, I definitely feel like choosing to find out if I had Lynch syndrome definitely empowered me because the knowledge is so empowering. I mean, geez, they caught colon uh, rectal cancer at stage one and not stage three or four. That in itself is huge. I mean, just last year they caught another precancer. if that had sat there. So when you got you, so you chose to get the the screening for Lynch
0: mm-hmm. and with that knowledge that, okay, you had a predisposition for potentially more cancer. That was when you did a screening and that was when you got the cancer
1: diagnosis. Yeah. So what happens is when, if you get a genetic profile, it's usually called, it's because there's a family history a significant family history. And for both Braca and Lynch, not all providers, but now there's a lot more education out there. I'd say a good deal, I don't know if it's most, but many pro- providers know uh, uh, what to look for in a family line of occurrences of cancer, for example. And so you could, for me, what happened was my dad, had several cancers that kept popping up, reoccurring, and his oncologist caught it. And And my dad told um, his oncologist about his mom and his sister's cancer history as well. And the oncologist was like, you need to get tested, but it's more for your kids. So when he was positive, then he shared the news with us. And each kid is 50-50%. So my sister got tested. She was positive <clears throat> and her and I have a similar weird things in our body. So when she was positive, I was like, oh gosh darn, I probably am too. And I was. Um, and so my daughter has 50, 50% chance. And so she'll get tested when she's in her mid twenties. Some families might choose to test their children earlier, but for With Lynch syndrome, there's a lot of cancers that you could be at higher risk for, but they do tend to follow a family history pattern and there's no history of childhood cancers in my family line. So, um, it, you know, it's empowering, but at a young age, that can be a burden. It can be a large thing to hear, um, if you, if they are positive, so most people with Lynch choose to wait till their children are 18 or older. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, you know, they they can ha- have a little bit more emotional maturity to to handle that if they are positive. So I will wait with my daughter. And th- round 25 is because of my um, history of getting diagnosed with Lynch when I was 37 and having cold rectal cancer at 38. They, they like to start colonoscopies 10 years prior or usually age 25, which is around the same time from which will be for my daughter. So around 25, we'll get her tested unless she tells me she wants to do it earlier. I've already, I went to a Lynch syndrome um, event put on by, if, if you are curious, if you, if you have people in your family that have uh, reoccurring colon cancers, um, a lot of cancers in the family. And you want to learn more about Lynch and know what to ask your doctor to get this screen. Um, there's a nonprofit organization called alive and kicking, and they're amazing. They're on social media. They're on Instagram. Dave, David Dubin himself has Lynch syndrome and he's the founder and he's a very nice man. So him and his wife Robin put together a Lynch syndrome event and flew us out to Boston last year, and I got to teach yoga for that, which was just a lot of fun. And um, I we had there was a genetic counselor there, and so we had some great discussions on when to tell our kids, how to talk to your family, when to start talking to your kids about it. And so I've started like last week. I had my colonoscopy and I came home. I was a little loopy later that day because even though I was awake, I still sedate, they still give me the sedated stuff. And, you know, my daughter asked me, Oh, why'd you go to the doctors? And what, you know, what did what's happening? And, um, so I was honest with her, you know, mommy had a history of cancer and I'm doing my test to make sure it doesn't come back. And I have something called Lynch syndrome. And so, we're, I'm starting to have these conversations with her, which will um, just open the door for her to communicate her feelings with me about it and keep the conversation flowing. Um, so that was one of the conversations that I really loved from that event but yeah, once you get diagnosed, uh, if you, if you brought your family history to the doctor or you said someone in my family, my dad, for example, or my mom tested positive for this, I'm at risk. I would like to get tested. It's very simple. It's a blood draw. Your doctor has to order it. And, um, you can get them without a doctor's order as well, but then you're paying out of pocket. Um, And they'll send it off to the lab and then you get the results back. And they, if you're positive, they will send you to a genetic counselor and the genetic counselor will review the results with you and tell you the next step. So for Lynch, the next steps are to start your screens right away. And because of my dad's mom and my dad's sister both had colon cancer in their thirties there. And I was... 38 at the time, they're like, you need to get in for a screen ASAP colonoscopy. And I was having weird symptoms at the time, a lot of bloating which and fatigue, which I contribute to um, being a business owner and having a two-year-old. But when I healed from my rectal cancer surgery, I was like, oh, that fatigue never ended. It was fatigue I could never catch up on and my I'm, I'm not bloating anymore. And um, so it, you know, it was not red flag symptoms, but yeah, no, I thank you for sharing those sy-
0: symptoms. Cause I did want to know that I was like wondering mm-hmm. why I'm glad you explained the process of, you know, having done the testing, the screening, and then automatically starting the screenings for cancer. Cause my mind was like, Oh, she must've gotten the diagnosis. And then maybe she was feeling some weird symptoms, maybe with bowel movements and everything. But yeah, that makes was, perfect sense.
1: Yeah. I was going to put off that first colonoscopy because I was like, oh, I'm young, I'm healthy. But because I was having kind of those odd symptoms, I was like, you know what? I'll just go and do it sooner rather than later. So I did, I did do it within a couple months of that initial Lynch syndrome diagnosis, which I'm very glad I did. <laughs> yeah.
0: So then, yeah. yeah, And then you got the, the surgery. And since then you've never had like a relapse or any kind of well, recurrence. Last-
1: well last uh last not this colonoscopy from friday but the colonoscopy prior 6 months ago uh did have i did have a precancerous polyp um so mm-hmm. i had i'm very lucky my um uh, my specialist said he's he's cuz it was over a centimeter he said had we waited much longer that would have converted and it would have been a problem wow. so and i was right at my yearly colonoscopy and actually my oncologist and i we're even discussing, because I'd been doing so so well and I was past five years, we were even discussing skipping um, my colonoscopy that summer. But we, you know, the nice thing about, I'm with UCSD and they're amazing. And he's like, you know, let me, he, he took, he he converted with other specialists and my Lynch specialist. And my Lynch specialist was like, no, she actually needs these other screens anyways. So, and and she always grows some type of polyp typically, which is true. So just have her go through it, which I'm really glad they did, because had I waited till this summer to do it, it would have been a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad they did, too. Yeah. So, no, it's stuff still pops up, but it's caught in the uh, pre stages, not full blown. Right. Right. I think that's kind of
0: you and I, I feel like focus a lot on just being proactive, like proactive Mm -hmm. care and proactive treatment and quote unquote, maybe it is preventative, but um yeah I I just want to like reflect back to you just how incredible I think you are
1: oh gosh thank you I'm like no I'm just human being living my life (laughs) yes but I feel like
0: because of everything that you've experienced and then um I mean we also believe in just holistic healing and all Mm -hmm. these patterns in our bodies can for sure show us certain things but I feel like you've you've been able to take everything and transmute it into this new beautiful business practice too business coaching yeah. and I, it's interesting I, I, just because you know you're 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 taking this creative energy this is what i was thinking about when you're talking about your hysterectomy was just because the organ's not there doesn't mean the energy's not there yes and that sacral energy is sexual and creative and it can still be worked through and Mm -hmm. maybe you're not having children anymore, but you're absolutely birthing Mm. new ideas all the time, Mm. other creative outlets. I'm sure that you have new flows, new posts, like all the things that you might put out for your business, but also what you're seeing and able to hold for other people's businesses. So,
1: yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I like to look at it that way. And I'm so grateful for my daughter and my husband and I are, you know, Working through these changes, he's very, you know, we went through a hard time when I was overworking, Um, and so now we're coming off the other side of that. But in regards to Lynch and all the tests, he's very patient and and supportive. So you know, and sometimes he just like wants the best for me. Happy, I guess happy believes in the the saying "Happy wife, happy life." <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, it's important, right? Yeah, I'm sure a lot of the when you're in partnership like that, and one person gets sick, I mean, you as the other partner, and I'm kind of speaking from like just watching my parents, you know, Mm -hmm. my my dad, and I. I love that you had a genetic counselor. I wish they would just have. I know they have that for all kinds of things, Mm -hmm. and I wonder if my parents talked to anyone because my uh, my dad was diagnosed with prostate cancer mm-hmm. while I was in college. But That's since right. I was out of state, it was unbeknownst to me. Like I didn't know anything until after he'd been through like two years of trying to figure it out. And then they told both me and my brother at the same time. But yeah, it's like the other partner who's not sick. It, there's just a lot of fear that comes up, I'm sure. Like you just want that person to be healthy and well. And sometimes, yeah, we do get in our own way a couple of t- <laughs> t- couple times here and there but um yeah it's just because they want you around
1: yeah they love you yeah yeah. so it's it's a journey but I think the open communication with everyone and then finding the practitioner no matter I mean, we're all going through something so no matter what you're going through is finding that support system and for me like if you would look at my week and see you know the time and the money i spend on practitioners and 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 my mind and my and my body it might seem like a lot but it it comes back around in so many other ways that are worth all of that i mean now i have so much more time with my daughter in fact i'm planning uh next year she's going to be in third grade and okay. so they have early dismissal of school and, um, I, I've been getting her earlier and earlier on Fridays and and going on these adventures. So I'm starting to plan out next year's Friday, early dismissal adventures, like where her and I just can go on day trips around San Diego, just explore and have conversations and I my hope I mean maybe she'll listen to this when she's in high school and be like oh gosh mom (laughs) but that's irreplaceable that time is so well spent exactly like is okay maybe it'll start a pattern where at least she feels comfortable to talk with me and maybe when she gets to high school she wants to go do her own thing and hang out with her friends but maybe sometimes she wants to still spend with me like but the only way to know is to like start it now and because I have my own business I've, I've just been embracing more this path of entrepreneurship moving from fear and scarcity like will it work to like I did I made it work it is working and I get to create my own schedule like and I'm going to fully embrace that and and live my life now and I mean that is what I really am grateful for for like this whole journey that I've been on is opening my eyes to all of that is it we really it is cliche but we really do only have this one precious life <laughs> yeah so That's exactly right. I feel like that's a
0: kind of a perfect note to end on.
1: Perfect. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anything else that you want to wanna share? I'm just like, yeah, you're right. Like this is
1: this is perfect. Our lives that's all we got. If you if yeah, if you are going through something, just keep going. Take it a day at a time. Give yourself space. Reach out reach out to, you know, friends, families, if you have the resources hire practitioners to help if you don't you know friends family and sometimes it's just space to heal like lie on the couch go into nature so many times i would just drive to the beach and sit on the beach and look at the waves and that was so healing or for me walks and in the sun are so therapeutic um simple things like that will reset you so you can come back another day and if you keep doing that day after day then that time will will allow the healing again that's generic man i've got i've got some i've got some cliches coming out of me today but it's true i guess that's why they say um like the time really does help and so but you gotta you don't want to white knuckle the time it's enjoying the time like So appreciate, appreciating, like, what can you do? What do, what lights you up now? Do that. Amen. (laughs) I think that's where we're going to take the sound clip.
0: (laughs) 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 Well, if anyone wants to work with Allison, um, please just hit up the show notes. We're going to link all your stuff in there for, we're going to focus on the business. Yes. Yeah. Thank business you. wellness. So I know I have a lot of um, wellness practitioners, hopefully listening to this podcast. So if they need any business help, then Allison's your gal. Yeah. So thanks again for being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening and putting your finger on the Pelvic Pulse podcast. I'm Brittany Ellers. The music for this podcast was created by Just Tech. Please follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts by hitting the subscribe button and share it with your loved ones if you found the episode helpful. If you haven't checked out my free womb medicine meditations or phasic community, click the link in the show notes. The meditations and community boards are the perfect place to begin or broaden your connection to your pelvic health, no matter what stage in life you're in. I'd be honored to support you along your journey.